Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock a guide to the good life, the ancient art of stoic joy. For some, the word philosophy may signify nothing more than a university module, something that belongs in the realm of academics, with hardly any bearing on our daily lives. In reality, our lives are inseparable from the influence of philosophy. When you find yourself occupied with work and aren't able to spend time with your family, have you ever doubted whether the way you plan and prioritize your time is correct? When you make the pursuit of wealth and fame the most important goal in your life, do you truly believe that it will lead to fulfillment? How can we manage our emotions in the face of rage, anxiety, or sadness? How should we respond to hurtful and malicious remarks? The answers to all these questions can only be found within the realm of philosophy. However, not all types of philosophy provide us with specific life advice. More than 2,000 years ago, philosophy typically focused on the big, lofty questions, like the origins of the world. It was not until Socrates that philosophy began to turn its focus toward the examination of ethics and morality. One of Socrates' disciples, Antisthenes, established the Cynic school, and another, Aristippus, founded the Cyrenaic school. These two made the issues that plague our daily lives the focus of their studies. At around the same time, Zeno of Sidium established the Stoic school, which was a school of philosophy that similarly concerned itself with the human condition. Many today are profoundly misinformed about Stoicism. Some may conflate Stoicism with Cynicism, a philosophical school born around the same time, and, like the latter, advocates a humble life devoid of desire. Others may believe it's the same as Epicureanism, similarly aspiring toward the suppression of one's emotions. In fact, Stoicism advocates a positive attitude towards life. It's a philosophy that enables us to live more tranquil, joyful lives through the use of various psychological techniques. Stoicism is a practical and effective life philosophy. In Irvine's words, Stoicism may be an ancient philosophy, but it is worth paying attention to, by anyone in modern society who wishes to lead a more fulfilled and meaningful life, a good life. Irvine is a popularizer of Stoicism, adept at using plain language to explicate nuanced philosophical topics. In a guide to the good life, Irvine paints a unique picture of life. Let's try now to understand the key contents of his book. We'll divide it into three parts. Part 1, An Introduction to Stoicism. Part 2, Psychological Techniques to Practice Stoicism. Part 3, how Stoicism informs our daily lives. While the Stoic school may have been founded in ancient Greece by Zeno of Sidium, it actually reached its zenith in ancient Rome. The Stoicism practiced by the ancient Romans is the most helpful and relevant to people today. Therefore, let's first learn about the key personalities of ancient Roman Stoicism. The first personality is Lucius Aeneas Seneca. Not only was he a successful playwright, but he was also a banker and even the personal tutor and chief advisor to Emperor Nero. His life was turbulent. In midlife, 
he was exiled and had all his assets confiscated for meddling in royal affairs. After being in exile for eight years, he finally received a royal pardon and was summoned back by the emperor to become the tutor for Nero, who was still only a young prince at the time. After Nero succeeded to the throne, Seneca was promoted to advisor and became Nero's confidant. Thereafter, he grew increasingly wealthy. However, these good days didn't last long. He was ultimately sentenced to death by Nero, who suspected his involvement in a conspiracy against him. Seneca advocated the restrained lifestyle of Stoicism, but at one point in his life, made himself wealthy as a banker. This caused some to criticize him, accusing him of not practicing what he preached. However, as we mentioned earlier, Stoicism, unlike Cynicism, does not necessarily advocate asceticism. On the contrary, Stoics believe that we can enjoy the benefits of prosperity, so long as we exercise caution in the way we indulge ourselves. Specifically, if something were to disrupt the prosperous life, we must be prepared to leave any privileges behind without regret or remorse. Seneca had indeed prepared himself to give up his prosperous life, at any time, without regret. In the year 41 AD, for political reasons, then 40-year-old Seneca was exiled to the impoverished and barren region of Corsica, the future birthplace of Napoleon Bonaparte. Seneca, however, did not lament or feel any pain about the loss of his luxurious life and all his assets. Instead, he exhibited the stoical ideal. He read and wrote in peace on the island and carried out studies of its geography and culture. Stoicism also enabled him to face his own mortality with serenity. In 65 AD, Nero sentenced Seneca to death. On the execution grounds, his friends wept over his misfortune. However, Seneca himself appeared calm and even asked his friends, what had Stoicism taught them? Implicit in his words was a reminder to his friends to follow the teachings of Stoicism and face one's mortality with dispassion. Epictetus was another noteworthy representative of Stoicism. Epictetus was originally a slave, but his wisdom won him first the admiration of Nero's secretary Epaphroditus, and then of Emperor Domitian. After Nero's death, Epictetus was freed, and established a philosophical school. This school was located in a secluded area, yet drew students from all over the Roman Empire. Why was Epictetus, who was born a slave, so popular. It was for his teaching methods. Epictetus imparted, through demonstration, the art of living to his students. He taught them how to successfully manage the challenges of everyday life, how to handle humiliation, deal with angry brothers, and even how to cope with exile. Thirdly, we must discuss Marcus Aurelius. The last emperor of the Pax Romana, Aurelius was known for his philosophical bent of mind. Despite inheriting world-historic power over the entire Roman Empire, he maintained a humble, objective concern for ethics. During his reign, Aurelius encountered various challenges, the empire suffered plagues, famine, earthquakes and other natural disasters, in addition to countless border skirmishes. He also suffered miseries in his personal life, poor health, chronic ulcers, an unfaithful wife, and the death of eight of his fourteen children. He relied heavily, perforce, on his stoic outlook. 
Under the guidance of Stoic teachings, he was able to endure the challenges in his personal life as well as in governance, in so doing, he benefited not only himself but the whole empire. Generations of historians similarly opined that he exhibited a uniformity of good government which no other despotic monarchy, equaled, and deserves to be placed among the best rulers that have ever lived. Now that we've become familiar with these prominent Roman Stoic philosophers, let's learn more about the specific philosophical aims of Stoicism. Stoicism in ancient Rome had different philosophical aims than in Greece. Stoicism in ancient Greece aimed to achieve virtue. Note that, virtue, did not necessarily refer to ethical purity. Rather, Stoics believed that one's virtue was determined by how well one performed the function one was born to do. From the Stoic perspective, everything on earth exists to fulfill a particular purpose, function, or mission. As the purpose of a hammer is to hammer nails, man's function is to bear moral responsibilities. Therefore, a man's virtue is determined by whether or not he has fulfilled his responsibilities towards his fellow man, whether or not he respects his parents, whether or not he is compassionate towards his friends, and whether or not he cares for the greater good of humanity. Now that we've touched upon the philosophical aims of Stoicism in ancient Greece, let's talk about the primary goal of Roman Stoics, tranquility. This refers to a particular mindset of dispelling negative sentiments and maintaining an earnest attitude. Roman culture valued tranquility. In order to stand out among other schools of philosophy and attract more disciples, Stoicism emphasized this traditional Roman value. This allowed Stoicism to build a strong foundation in Rome and gain widespread influence. We've established that Stoicism has an extensive history and line of prominent representatives. Yet, why is it still necessary for us, who live in very different times today, to understand it? Now, let's examine the significance of Stoicism in today's society through the lens of evolutionary psychology. Evolutionary psychologists believe that the process of human evolution over time has not only led to the formation of our current physiological structures, but also to the emergence of several unique psychological traits, for example, our tendency to feel anxious or fearful when confronted with certain situations, or to feel joy under other circumstances. These unique psychological traits are like the default factory settings that come with the new phones we buy. Nature installed these so-called default applications in us for the purpose of our survival and reproduction and not so that we can feel comfortable and happy. However, we often misuse these evolutionary legacies. In other words, while certain psychological functions might have helped us to survive and multiply more effectively earlier in our evolutionary history, they may now instead bring us suffering and trouble. We've already introduced this idea to you in a previous bookie, evolutionary psychology, the new science of the mind. It's natural to feel immeasurable pain when publicly humiliated by someone. This reaction has been predetermined by evolution. Hierarchy existed within our ancestors' tribes. Members who did not abide by the rules of their rank within the group faced the possibility of being stripped of their resources or even exiled from the group, and naturally the chances of successful procreation would diminish. Only those who felt pain at the prospect of losing their position in society stood a chance of surviving and procreating. Therefore, descending from these people, who managed to survive and procreate, 
we all invariably come with certain pre-installed applications, which manifest in different ways. However, the context in which we live has undergone tremendous changes. Scientific, industrial and legal progress and improvements in quality of life have helped ensure that even those who have been shamed or ostracized by society still have the same rights and the same ability to survive and procreate as any other person. Yet, our negative responses to things like humiliation are still hardwired. These reactions demonstrate misuse of our evolutionary instincts. We exhibit, automatically, innate evolutionary response mechanisms, without thinking about whether they're justified or not. In such instances, we might benefit from Stoicism. Through the Stoic mindset, we could eliminate the emotional harm that humiliation or other external factors may cause us. This concludes, Part 1. We have learned about the key representatives of Stoicism from ancient Rome, Seneca, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius. We've learned that the philosophical aim of Stoicism is to achieve virtue and tranquility. We've also learned that Stoicism still has the potential to play an important role in today's society. Today, we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for Buki at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.